You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Well, take your Bible, if you would, with, with me and look at Romans chapter 14. And I want, to, uh, I want to talk to you this morning about helping other people grow. You know, as followers of Christ, we know, and as we, we talk about it so often, is that we have a responsibility for other people. Life is not about us individually. No part of life is that way. You really don't have to be a Christ follower to, uh, to figure that one out. You know, we, people are pack animals. We are not solo. Like, we all depend on other people around us. But we as followers of Christ are taught so much about what we're to do and how we're to help other people grow. As I kind of step back and even look at my life, where I am today, and kind of where I've been, really, I, I, we owe it all to Jesus, as we just sing about, right? We owe everything, but we also owe where we are to what Jesus did through other people, right? There's so much that I've just I've grown and learned, and even in myself, just whether I'm reading the Bible and God just helping me grow or praying or maybe reading a book or devotion, but even in all those scenarios, it's always been in context with other people, right? It's with the, the encouragement and the challenge, and, you know, as a young dad, even being challenged by other men who are ahead of me and whose kids were older, just like, I want to be like them. I want to be a faithful dad in my life. Life. I've been with other men that are faithful to their wives and that are, you know, pursuing Christ. It just, it, there's something about us together being with other followers of Jesus, whether they're teaching us directly and we're learning, or whether we're learning just by kind of being around or challenged and encouraged. It's just, it's so helpful. It's really what church is to be all about. And so God calls us to help people grow. Last week we talked about how we need to be careful that we don't somehow uh, judge each other inappropriately and, you know, trying to kind of run over the top of people's spiritual life and what they're doing and devotion and honor with God. But we're going to see this morning that it's more than that. Not only should we not do that, that's kind of like getting rid of the negative. Now we need to do the positive and we need to actively help people to grow. So read the second part of uh, Romans 14 with me if you would. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. This may seem in our eyes like, why in the world is he talking so much about eating and not eating, and you know, and drinking or not drinking, and holy days and not holy days? What? What in the world? We don't get into all of this so much. True, 
But we do get into other things. We do have our nuances, like you're a good Christian if you do X. You're a not such a good Christian or maybe a level B or a level C Christian if you don't do you know, this X, Y, or Z. And, and Paul is saying to us, it's like, let's just forget all of that, all right? So the first thing I want us to recognize is what Paul is telling us is, is stop the looking down at each other and kind of, you know, trying to navigate all of the differences of how we each worship God, maybe differently or unique in our own way. But instead, let's take a step back, let's take a deep breath and recognize that we are responsible to grow. That's what, what he's talking about is that we should be looking to build other people up. Look what he says in verse 18. He says, Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Now, if you've been in church for a long time, you've heard the word edify, right? It's, it means to build something up. It's a edifice, like an edifice is a construction, like a building. And so we know that as followers of Jesus, our job is to build other people up and we should allow other people to build us up. There's a together in the middle of this, you know, Paul elsewhere, he uses all kinds of metaphors and pictures. Elsewhere, he says, hey, run the race that is set before you. If you've been in a race before, I don't care if you're a, a swimmer, if you're a runner, if you're a bicyclist, or if you're, you know, maybe a maybe race cars, I don't know, all kinds of races. When the gun goes off and you, you go, you know, you got to run in your lane. You got to do your thing, and you really are competing against other people. And the church, to a degree, is like that in the sense that we are all to run the race in front of us. When you say yes to Jesus, the gun has gone off, and we're to pursue that. And a part of that is growing and building. But the part that's different is, is we're not competing with each other. Instead, it's actually the opposite. We are to look around and build the people up around us that we are more like wolves, if you will, running in a pack together. And, and, and Paul is saying, guys, our job is to not tear down, not to trip other people up, not to, you know, by our actions or by what we're doing to cause others to fall and to trip into sin. Instead, we should be looking circumspectly around our life and considering our own actions, considering our own behavior, considering our own habits, and making sure that they help the others around us lift up. Let me give you a simple little easy kind of uh, example. That's part of the reason why we don't do real wine uh, for our Lord's Supper. In just a bit, when you have the, the cups that are in front of you, you know, it's, it's grape juice, I think. <laughs> I, I haven't looked at the ingredient. I'm not sure it tastes like normal grape juice, but it's not wine. In all seriousness, you know, many people struggle with past addictions. And a simple smelling of alcohol can trigger that. And we don't want to cause somebody to trip up and to stumble into something along the way. And so we should be thinking in every area of our life. It hit me even in a small way when I was hanging out with my grandson just a little bit this week. And, uh, and I was letting him do something, you know, he was playing with a door or something. And I said, Sarah, is he allowed to do this in your house? Because I didn't care. But I didn't want to set the kid up for a fall. Like, you know, granddad said it's okay at his house. But, you know, then all of a sudden it goes back somewhere else and it's bad. We actually should think about what we're doing and our responses and how we're 
relating and what we're modeling with other people, that we don't set people up and trip them up, that we are running a race together. And Paul says, if, you're, if you've decided in your life that it's okay for you to eat or to do something, and the Bible doesn't speak against it, that's a whole caveat here, big asterisk there, don't, if somebody else in their life isn't there and they think that it's not good, then be careful. Don't just in your freedom go out cavalierly setting them up for a fall, stumbling and tripling. Like it's, it's better for you to even to abstain or withhold just so that you can help them. But we are to all one another, we're to grow. That's what we're about. That's why with the new t-shirts we got that they say love, serve, grow, right? Because as followers of Jesus, we're to grow our entire life. We're not to just grow for a moment, not for a time, not for a season, but every stage of our life, there is something new. At every point, I don't care how long you've been a follower of Jesus, there are things you're going to go through this week, this month, this year, that you've never gone through before. There's going to be new things happening, and there's going to be new opportunities some, opp some opportunities are pain points, right? They're not as much opportunities as they are just something you have to go through. But there are new things that you're going through, and all of that is a part of that growth that we are to go through. And so together, we genuinely as a church family need each other to build one another up. Now, it's important, I think, in our culture today, our culture is big on affirmation, right? you got to affirm people. And it's not just a politically correct world and one ideology. It's kind of across the board. I saw an interview this, uh, this past week of a famous celebrity. I won't tell you who, but um, he talked about, he's famous and he was looking back in his life and his childhood and talked about missing his final graduation and going there, watching all of his friends graduate. He was watching from a fence because he failed Spanish his senior year. And he was mad at his Spanish teacher for years and mad at his dad, you know, and kind of, he, he kind of talked a little bit about having, having to kind of come out of that. And I thought, well, I understand, but like, it's not your Spanish teacher's fault, you know? Either one, you just are bad at Spanish, and like, okay, you didn't do it, or you just really didn't try hard enough, but it's not your teacher's fault at that point. It's you. It's on you. He didn't need an affirmation to just say, oh, good job, you know, A plus, you know, for Spanish when he couldn't speak Spanish or meet the requirements. We're in a culture today where nobody wants to hear no or they're not best at everything or not great at everything and they want to be affirmed in every little crazy dumb idea that they have. And that's just not what God teaches us, right? Building up means that we are genuine and real with one another and we're helping one another grow in our relationship to God, and it's in a relationship of truth, the truth of God's Word, truth that's in our life. And that doesn't mean that we always affirm and agree with everything that's going on. Occasionally on Facebook, transparently, we'll get hits by people like, hey, here's kind of my lifestyle. Will we be at Welcome at River? You know, or, and I, my standard answer is, is, you are welcome. We would love to have you to come and worship. I can never guarantee that you will ever feel uncomfortable or not feel uncomfortable somewhere along the way because we work hard to love and engage and to, uh, people and, rec and connect where they are, but we also work hard to engage to hear what God's Word has to say and let it speak to us. And 
I can't guarantee that anybody's going to ever feel uncomfortable, you know? To be honest with you, if you're not uncomfortable somewhere along the way, there's probably something wrong because it's not so much whoever is speaking, but it's this book. And this book has a way of making you uncomfortable in your life because it is straight from the holy God of heaven to us as people who are messed up. So we ought to expect that it kind of, you know, runs across our toes, if you will, or kind of gives us a check in our heart. So anyway, so we're to build one another up and we deeply need each other. That's what church is about. That's what we're about as river on top of sharing the gospel, helping other people be introduced to Jesus, but helping one another build up. That's what our life groups are about. That's what we are about as a church. Now, I want you to notice something else significant in here as Paul is talking about is that we help people grow by not focusing on the external rules and regulations. Paul says, we should build one another up. But he's saying, don't focus so much on the eating of the meat and don't eat the meat. He says, the kingdom of God is not meat. In other words, the food you eat or drink following a set of religious guidelines but it's righteousness, peace, and joy. That's really the essence of the Christian faith. I'll talk about that more in a minute. But as we help people grow, we're not helping people to learn a new set of behaviors. We're not helping people to adhere to a new set of regulations. That's not what the Christian faith is about. It's, a, it's a, about a, a life that is forgiven of sin, a life that's lived in relationship to the holy God of heaven that experiences all of that. And I'll talk about that, unpack that more in a minute. And if we're not careful as people, it's easy for us to fall back into a set of rules, right? If you join a club or you, you, you start a new job or you do anything, you get your driver's license, right? I mean, you, you get a driver's license, you get handed a manual. Here's the rules, don't learn the rules, fine. You don't get a license, you know. Learn the rules and demonstrate you can do it. You do get a license. All of our jobs are that way. You know, you've got to demonstrate competencies and skills and abilities. The Christian life is not first and foremost a new set of religious rules that we have to adhere to, all right? Now, if you're thinking through this, well, Sean, there's some things that are right and wrong, even for a Christian. Absolutely, we're not throwing that out the window. Go ahead and show the little grid that I showed last week. I'll touch base on this just one second. I'm not going to pack it long. If you weren't here, you're like, oh, my goodness, I'm glad I wasn't in church last week. <laughs> Thank the Lord. If she's, He's working spreadsheets now. We really are going downhill. So I, I, just quickly, top line, every church on the planet should be there. They're not, but these are just truths that are truths everywhere. Jesus is the Son of God, second person of the Trinity. He died on the cross for our sin. You're only saved through Him. Second tier, there are important things there, but these are more interpretational. There are things that might differ from church or denomination to others. So they're important. It's not that they don't matter, but they're not send you to hell kind of importance. They're not the difference between heaven or hell kind of differences, right? Third tier is what we're talking about. This is, this is stuff that is primarily devotional. It's personal. Choices that you're making out of obedience to honor God. It's families and individuals. It's matters of worship. 
We, we, I, we talked last week about Lent as an example, drinking, tongues, uh, like a private prayer language. Sabbath, some people, you may hear kind of like, well, I keep Sabbath. I go to church, and on Sunday, I don't do any work. You know, I just kind of, I want to keep that. Others, you're like, yeah, no big deal. You know, I'm going to go home and paint my windows. I got my lawn to mow. And those are differences of opinion based on honoring and worshiping God. And that's the stuff that Paul's talking about is third tier kind of stuff. Fourth tier doesn't matter. It's just what you want, kind of coffee you want to drink and what time you want church to start and the kind of chairs you want. And by the way, you know where most churches fight? It's like that bottom one and the next one, <laughs> not the big ones up front. And that's where we have all the problem with. And so when Paul says, hey, don't focus on the rules and regulations, I just want to be clear. We're not talking about the first couple of things. We're talking about the third thing. Like this is personal experiences. So let me give you an example. If you're trying to help somebody grow, you may have in your own spiritual time, like where you get up in the morning and read your Bible and pray first thing. And if you're trying to help a new believer to read their Bible and pray, you're like, well, this is the way you do it. And for that person, they just get off the night shift. You know, they're just getting home and they're like, I can't do it. I'm falling asleep at six o'clock. And for you, your whole life is like, but no, that's what good Christians do. You know, it's the beginning of the day. That's not, we should not be setting up all kinds of lists for people to now follow. And we as people tend to do that. We as Christians tend to do that. And we tend to find our safety. And we tend to find our comfort in following a set of rules and regulations and lifestyles. And folks, the only thing that we really should be finding a confidence and comfort in is what we just sang about a moment ago, is that our Lord Jesus died for our sins. His grace received us and He forgave us. And that's why we're celebrating the Lord's Supper in just a moment. As a reminder, as a practical but a deep reminder in our life, that's what our spiritual walk is all about. It's not about all these other rules. Let's just be, be honest. We can understand these concepts and they make sense. But we have all stepped away and thought, well, they'd be a better Christian if they did this. Oh, they're really good parents because look at that Christian book that they're following. Wow, they're really following that process, right? Or, you know, we, we set up all these other artificial things. And Paul says, leave that stuff alone. In fact, you practice that stuff in your, your faith with God and you, you leave it alone. What really matters is not the external sets of rules. In fact, if we start focusing on that, we do damage. That's why, and as he talked about it just a minute ago, he's like, why are you damaging the one that Jesus died for? Like, look, God's, God's got them. Don't harm. Don't do harm in their life. Instead, build them up. Help them to grow in their faith. Help them to, to definitely get the first one and the second one and help them to find what works and makes sense and help them to grow in the middle of that. Now, Truth be known, there were Christians that were fighting. Some thought that somehow eating meat was dishonoring to God. Maybe it was meat offered to idols. We don't, need, don't know. And others were like, yeah, no, Jesus died. All, it's all good. Who cares? Who cares if it was sacrificed to an idol? That's a nice cut of meat. I'm going to have that for supper. Put that baby on the grill and, you know, marinate it and everything, and it's all good. The person that was getting worried about the meat... Yeah, they need their conscience to be educated. They need to grow. But the person that understood things spiritually and was more mature, 
was actually more immature in their love, and they should have been not just trying to, to get somebody to just adhere artificially, and they really needed to just love them and help their understanding to, be, to grow and develop in the middle of that. And so Paul is telling all of us, is like, be careful. Be careful how we grow people. New followers of Jesus are like babies, the Bible describes, and they grow, they go through those development processes just as we do as human beings, and we need to help them mature in that. So third thing I want you to recognize, not only does the church, we are to help one another to grow, and growing is not about following lots of outside stuff. It's actually focusing on the internal stuff. That's what Paul says here. He says in verse 17, he kind of he really gets kind of simply and deep and, and just very quickly he says this. He says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's like, guys, you're not even having the right conversation. <laughs> he says, instead, it's of righteousness and peace and joy that comes through the Holy Spirit. There's two ways of of viewing these, these three things. Righteousness, a peace and a calm in our heart, and a joy in our soul. A purity and a peace with God that comes from God and a joy in our relationship with God. These are three things on one hand that God has done and does in the life of the follower of Jesus. He says, look, what we should be focusing and helping people grow is helping them to experience the righteousness that comes from heaven, that God's declared them righteous, that God is working in their heart to be righteous inside their soul, not some external adherence to what kind of meat are you eating or did you check all the brand of that meat and where all that came from and make sure it's all good before God? He says, no, it's about a, a life of righteousness that God is is brought down. That's really what the essence of the Christian life is about. It's, it's God who made peace with us. See, our sin put us at odds with God. There was an enmity. There was a, an antagonism, if you will, a separation, a division between us and God. And Jesus, who died on the cross, removed that antagonism and brought peace between us and God, brought God's righteousness to us, and in turn brings God's joy to us. These are three things that God does in the life of the believer. Our life as followers of Jesus should be lived out in the overflow of this. It's easy, is it not, in the mundaneness of life. Sometimes life is just a little bit numbing. Just, you know, it's not necessarily that things are bad, it's just the same, and it's just all the stuff that we just go through. And then sometimes it's painful and the things that we go through and it's just the, the challenges and the battles that we have here. And what Paul is doing is he's breaking through all of that. And he's saying, guys, the essence of our relationship that we have with God in heaven is that today we have the righteousness, the purity, the forgiveness of sin, and the practical goodness of God being worked into our lives today by the God of heaven. That's the, the second half. The first piece of it is just stuff that God does. And the second half of it is the stuff that we experience, those realities, is that 
We get to live our day today. It's not about certain rules and regulations, but it's about you and me living our life more and more in a relationship with God that we experience that righteousness in our life and we experience that peace that everything's okay, that we're all right. Peace, the word peace means taking two things that are separated and putting them back together again. When things get pulled apart, they are not at peace. When you get into a fight with somebody and the closer that person is to you, the more that pain hurts when that fight happens and that separation happens. Peace is when that comes back together again and tied together. Sometimes we even just feel pulled apart by things and God is telling us, He's like, guys, that's really the focal point of our Christian life is experiencing the peace of God in our lives today. That no matter what the whirlwind and the spinning and the trials and the challenges and the questions and all of that, is it you and me experiencing the peacefulness of God internally. Even if there's a storm around us on the outside, there's a peace of God inside of us. And then there's a joy that He wants us to experience inside of our soul today, walking through that. It would be naive of us to think that we are going to live life and never experience pain or sadness or heartache or challenges or questions or confusion and all of the gamut of life, right? That would be naive of us. That's The Christian life is not some sort of Christian version of Buddhism where we're just trying to, you know, kind of all be at peace and calm with the world around us. That's not the picture whatsoever. The picture is, is that even in the middle of those things, that we can step back in the middle of it and say, God, but you love me and you saved me and everything is okay. And we experience all of those challenges and those difficulties, but we at the same time experience a joy and a peace in the middle of it. That's the way emotions roll, right? You can have multiple emotions at the same time. Have you ever, you know, felt bad, you know, maybe grieve something, at the same time felt relief and peace like this. We, we can experience those together in our life. And so our Christian lives, guys, and helping people as we, one another as we grow, it's helping people navigate the challenges of life. It's helping them to know the God of heaven, to know the God of the Bible, the truth of God's Word, applying it into our lives, more and more living out a righteous life, but experiencing the blessing and the peace and the joy that comes through a relationship with Him. That's what our Christian life is all about. It's not a set of rules or not. In fact, as we talked last week, when churches or individuals or families start setting up and focusing on that third tier, that's how kind of weird Christian cults get started. That's kind of how... Weird stuff gets funky where you got to do things a certain way, you know? And Paul's like, yeah, leave that stuff alone. It does matter what you believe. It does matter how you live. We're not talking about sin issues here before. The same God that said this early on said like, yeah, quit your sexual morality. You know, cut it out. Stop that. In other words, we're not able to say, well, in my mind, I think it's okay if I kind of just go live with somebody or do what I want to do. Like God says, 
yeah, no, wrong answer. <laughs> That's not one of these things. That's called sin, and it's against the, what God says. These are just things that we might do in devotion to God to honor Him. And so instead of fixating on that, we're to fixate on the internal stuff of the heart, the righteousness of God, the peace and the joy of God in our life. And folks, that's actually easier said than done. It's easy as parents, right? When our kids are little, to set, make life about rules and regs. You know, do this, don't do that. Yes and no's. And if we're not careful, we can even hand that kind of brand of Christianity, if you will, down to our kids. And that's not really what it's about. And to be honest with you, it's easy for our kids to kind of conform to that first season. But sometimes what happens is when kids later on grow up to be adults, and they decide they don't want to be Christians anymore, and they don't want to follow God, and they are not interested in Bible and church, what we don't realize is what happened is for a season they conformed to those rules and regulations. They conformed to that behavior and that lifestyle, but they were not transformed on the inside internally. And what Paul's telling us is, is we need to focus on that internal transformation, and it doesn't just work for kids. It works for us as adults, too, that God wants our heart. And what matters is in motivation and in our soul and our heart with where we are to God today. So are we, ex are we experiencing the righteousness of God in our life today? Are we experiencing the peace of God in our life today? Are we experiencing the joy that we get to live our life with a God of heaven, the God of this universe who just spoke it into existence, who loved us and sent His Son, Jesus, to die for us. Not those people over there, but for, for me and for you individually. And there should be a joy in our life in the midst of all the challenges, in the midst of all the other things in our life, in the midst of the chaos. There should be a, a righteousness and a peace and joy in our life. That is where we need to focus on our lives. That's where we want to focus in our life groups when we kick them back up kick them back off again in the fall. And that's what we want to challenge and encourage one another. In the, in the middle of that, when you're going through the thick stuff, yeah, we want people to walk with us and help us and support us in that. We also want people to model for us and to help us, you know, to keep that perspective, keep that frame of reference, to keep that in mind. You know, we don't don't, don't go up to somebody and say, oh, I see you're having a really hard time today. You know, just have a joy in the Lord in your heart. You know, it'll all be okay. You might get punched in the nose. You know, it might not be a good day for you. Don't do that. You go and say, I notice you're having a tough time. I'm praying for you. I'm, I'm here with you. And model that and whisper it as it makes sense. You know, think about it this way. This was, I didn't, uh, come up with this illustration, but I think it makes sense. But a pastor once said, he's like, when we think about these kind of helping people grow, you know, the, the young child that's scared of the dark and afraid, you know, convinced that the boogeyman's in the closet or under the bed or whatever, you know that's not real. And you can tell them that there's nothing there. They're convinced it's there because that's their perception, Right. Education's not what they need. The knowledge is not there. I mean, their conscience needs some knowledge, 
But really what they need in that moment is they need your support and love to maybe face that challenge, to maybe, hey, let's turn on the light to look, or just to love them through it and help muddle through those things until they're finally their brain begins to kick in gear like, oh, yeah, that's just the clothes wadded up in the corner. That's not something that's about to jump out and get me, you know, when I fall asleep. Until those kick in, and we need to do the same thing even with each other to help one another to grow in that. So Paul is like, stop focusing on the externals, start focusing on the internals for you, and in turn, help one another and have a community of faith, of righteousness and peace and joy. These things are so appropriate as we celebrate the Lord's table together this morning, because that's the only way these things are real in our life are because of what Jesus did on the cross. That 2,000 years ago, in real time in history, not just some fanciful fairy tale story that we just believe that's been handed down for years, but something that really happened in history, that God became man, Jesus came to this earth, and he lived a sinless life, the kind of life that everybody stood back and like, what in the world? And he took upon himself your sin and mine and willingly allowed nails to be put into his hands and his feet. Nobody held him there. He didn't have to go through and endure that, but he did it willingly take the punishment that your sins and mine had earned, and it was stood up and looked at and mocked and made fun of, and he was labeled a sinner for you and for me, labeled a criminal, took upon himself the punishment that you and I had deserved, and he willingly and gladly died. And that still kind of blows my mind because he's God and God... Definition cannot die, but he's also a human being and, and together. And, and Jesus is a human being. The God-man died for your sins and for mine. And he took the penalty of death that we had earned on his back so that we could be forgiven for all of eternity and that we might have his righteousness, his perfection put on our account positionally before God, but also practically in our heart. And as we more and more live and look like Him in our life, and as a part of that, we get peace with Him. We get peace in our life. We get joy in our relationship with God. And we get to live each and every day with these three things as reality, regardless of what's going on in our life. And it's all because of what Jesus did. Lord, thank you for Jesus who died and gave us all for us. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for grace. Lord, help us to grow. Help us to be a community of faith that, that loves that, not creating any kind of elitism or any kind of uh, new Christian cult, but Lord, to be people that simply love righteousness and love peace and love joy and want to pursue that before you in unity with one with another. Lord, help us to grow individually and as families, fathers and mothers helping their kids to know Jesus and grow. Us as a church, men helping men to grow, women helping women. Lord, 
help us to, to be obedient to your scripture where older women are to teach younger women how to love their kids and to love their husbands. Older men teaching younger men how to be men of God and men of faith. Father, we want to be that kind of church. Help us to do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at River of Life Church or find us online on Facebook, YouTube, or at riveralbany.com.